Aaron, did you jump out of a plane yesterday or two days ago? <laughs> I did. Oh, my gosh. How did you know that? I, I may have seen something on social media. Like, I'll say this. Dude, all I'm going to say is, like, I have never been more uncomfortable but, like, had so much fun at the same time. Like, I physically was so uncomfortable. Yeah. As you could probably imagine. <laughs> I believe it. Like, you're yeah. doing a thing that if um, that humans were not naturally meant to be able to do. Um, right. So, okay. So could I, so could I ask this as by way of a tease into the yeah. episode? Uh-huh. Who do you think fell faster? You or the Shanghai stock market? <laughs> <laughs> I was moving at about 180 miles an hour. So if I had to Not even truthfully close, answer the question, yes, the Shanghai stock market. <laughs> Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. And welcome back to yet another episode, yet another presentation of Drunkonomics. This is the drinking podcast with an economics problem. So glad you all could join us. Hopefully you have a nice stiff one in front of you. Unless, of course, you're about to drive somewhere. In that case, wait till you get to where you're going. But uh, like I said, drinking podcast with an economics problem. By the power vested in the VIX for whatever reason, that is still the reason that we have endowed the VIX with this much power. I would like to welcome us all back as the more gracious host. My name is Aaron Wong. Thank you all for joining me. Cheers, 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 cheers. Hey. And of course, joining alongside me on uh, the other side of this Discord camera is my very good friend and your less gracious host. What was that name of yours again? James Goldwater. And it, that's what it is. Absolutely. I, here's the thing, you know, being less gracious is kind of nice, especially when I know it is. Businesses and things are doing what they're doing in the last two weeks. I mean, it's it's been an exciting time. It's been a, January, February was going to be boring. You know, I thought it was going to be boring. And I'll be honest with you. I had a bet with some friends at the workplace that I ended up losing. Uh-oh. So, yeah, uh, I didn't think this was going to be as exciting of a month, but clearly it was. Um, if you look at the markets. If you look at the S&P 500, we were, we're literally within like a lob wedge, a bunker shot if you're a golf person or golfer, golf person, golfer. I should know. I'm one of those people. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're literally like within a lob wedge of S&P 5000, which I never thought. S&P 5K. S&P 5K. All my runners out there, the S&P let's, 5K. Let's go. Um, <laughs> but, but before we go any further, uh, none of this is financial advice. We're not financial advisors. We're not money managers. And more importantly, even if we were, we're not your financial advisors and we're not your money managers. Um, Exactly. We're just two guys having drinks, having a good time and having a good talk. Yeah, just reacting to some of the headlines that we see regarding economics. So uh, if you have any questions about some of the stuff we say, if you want to do a work cited, if you want to ask for any links or articles or videos or anything like that, that we end up citing on Drunkonomics, feel free to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, whatever other social media is out there, LinkedIn. It's at Drunkonomical, dear you okay, you know my CAL. From there, you will also find the Discord perma invite. That's and what it is. Free to all. And you can join the uh, the awesome time 
that is the Conaholics and Drinkonomous Happy Hour in the general chat or any of the other fun ones. Another thing, these are our opinions, our opinions only. These do not reflect the communication. They do not, they do not reflect the opinions. They are not official communications from our employers, whoever they may or may not be. Exactly. Um, exactly. Thanks for, thanks for saying that. And a warning for next week. Uh, we've been trying to jump into the Discord on our days off. Mm-hmm. Uh, our weeks off when we're not recording we try to jump in the discord and hang out with you guys next week we will not be doing that instead we'll actually just be getting together and yeah. hanging out with each other in in person for the first time in a few years so yes pictures to follow details to follow if your fans enter around lincoln nebraska uh the week of valentine's day promises a duo drunkenomic sighting an econoholic and a drinkonomist walk into a bar you have no idea what's know how the happen. joke ends but i'll let you know in two weeks i don't know how the joke ends but it usually ends with the bar probably running out of some sort of scotch or irish whiskey absolutely so, someone in pain the next morning um, lots and lots of pain but yes i will be i'll be in nebraska next week uh my flight is at 5 40 a.m monday morning after the super bowl yes which i know is very not opportune but i'll be there all week through the weekend uh, in the good old college town. And I'm really excited to be back. So uh, sorry we're going to miss you guys next week. But, uh, you know, if you are in Lincoln for whatever reason, you know, hit us up. I'll be at the Pantera concert on, uh, on Valentine's Day in Lincoln. But uh, with that, I would like to cheers to, I don't know, why not cheers to mortgage rates? Uh, 30 years mortgage rates back above 7%. All right. Is that a poor one cheers? cheers. That. Like, that's, a, that's not a good one. But whatever. I'm sorry, you know. I just wanted it's to bring not, it up. It just, it, it, just, it just shows, you know, you, you only lower rates when people aren't consuming, and apparently people are consuming. So, yeah, so you can leave rates up. You know, I'm not trying to buy right now. So, well, I am trying I, to buy right now, but I don't have a mortgage right now. So, I'm not originating a mortgage right now. So, I'm okay with no, it. No, no, yeah. For now. And I think, um, I don't know. Like, everyone keeps saying that, th- that there's this imaginary rate cut that's going to happen in May. You know, <laughs> show, show me the language. You know, something the Fed doesn't then. I, I'm just, like, literally. I don't know what the certainty is. I mean, they've been doing the, they've been, like the, literally the CME futures. I don't, I don't even believe if he's, I know I quote the CME futures all the time on this, on this podcast, but I Production. literally on this episode, whatever, like this, whatever this, this stupid thing is, but like, it's just, it, it's so unreliable. Every time they have these forecasts, it always shifts to whatever the fed has been saying for the longest time. And, and we're supposed to sit here and act like, Oh, they did what they're actually what they said they were going to do three months ago. What a shocker, right? So I mean, um, I, everything I've seen out of the Fed is um, they're going to hold rates steady. They have no intention. When when JP when Trump Powell got out there and said I'm going to hold we're going to hold for longer we're going to oh, yeah. hold rates higher longer. I mean, he fucking meant it. <laughs> think, oh yeah, he's not he's not pussyfooting around on this. No, one. no, he's, he's not. You know, and like we, you know, just saying like, we've all made it past Fed Week last week to to tell to tell the tale of what happened right he wasn't pussy footing around and you want to look at what happened to the bond markets last week want to look at what happened to the to treasury yields i think it's very indicative and reflective of drum powell meaning what he's going to say and for some reason the fixing the master class and really everything else everybody wall street is just completely blindsided and t-boned by that so yeah i don't know well, I know he said he was going to do it, but I can't believe he actually did. Yeah. Why not? Oh, what, my gosh. What has suggested that he was – what suggested he didn't mean it? Yeah. Like, I mean, I have more things to say on that later, but I also want to pour one out. Absolutely. Because um, I know uh, you have a really good okay, pour one out. Can I, can I pour one out to Elon Musk? Poor guy's comp package was nixed by a, uh, <laughs> oh. a Delaware Chancery Court. Man. Apparently <laughs> – Apparently uh, out there, guys, you can't write too easy a comp package for your CEO. 
And um, dude, yeah. Oh, why not? I know. The, so a judge ruled that Elon Musk's comp uh, for the last few years was indicative of fiduciary irresponsibility by the board. Yeah. That Elon Musk had too much hands-on, behind-the-scenes involvement with the board, cajoling the board, convincing the board to give him the comp he wanted. And um, <laughs> based on a lawsuit from certain shareholders, the court concluded that, yeah, the comp was was either too much or was too easy to attain that much. So take your pick. And so it's null and void. So he hasn't exercised or attempted to exercise any of the $56 billion in in mainly options that yeah. uh, the comp offered him. But uh, we'll see what happens as we move forward. So we'll we'll see what, well, what the Tesla board does. He Let's put it this way. He didn't raise any confidence, at least with me, for Tesla uh, with, with the earnings call he had this quarter, which has really not done nice things for... Well, um, no, it has not. For, for last quarter, but just now. Yeah, no, the one that was just announced was last week for Tesla. I forget when exactly mm-hmm. it was, but yeah, last week's no. earnings call for the prior for Q4 of for 2023. Q4. Yeah, so, but I think it's pretty funny. You know, I chuckled a little bit earlier. The reason why I chuckled is because he's got this giant control of the board. The court of Delaware said, "Hey, that might be a little bit too much," and he goes on to say. What did he say in his, pre- in his in the press conference about the AI yeah, thing? Yeah, so so he currently controls about 12, 12.5% of Tesla's voting shares. Yeah. And he uh, and so what he said in the in the earnings call, he said a few things. He said, if rates stay high, it's bad for Tesla because we have low margin business. And I'm like, well, you run cars. So that's That seems odd. <laughs> but he went on to say that uh, he was willing to... I'm sorry, I'll, I'll try and get... The basic statement of what he said, which was he was uncomfortable growing AI and robotics. This isn't exactly this is not an exact quote, but he uh, it is a summation. The fact is that he is uncomfortable. Yeah. That is the quote uh, growing AI and robotics at Tesla uh, without controlling 25 percent of the voting shares. Uh, he Ooh. added he would prefer to build products outside of Tesla if he does not have 25 percent control. So well, there you have essentially it. he's told Tesla that if or he's told Tesla and everyone who was listening to so the shareholders, he will not do any AI or robotic development within Tesla as Tesla unless he's granted a doubling of his current control of the company. Yeah. Well, My response to that is when a CEO actively says, well, I know I'm the CEO of several companies. And if you don't give me more control of this one, I'm going to go start another one and do the things that I would be doing for you there. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a very serious problem. I mean, he's been doing and that. Yeah, I was, but he's been doing that like you know, all his life. You know? Personal, but yeah, I know. And the problem is, I'm not saying it's a good um, thing. I, I, I'm, I don't think no, it's a good thing. You know, but if you keep pushing the envelope and no one ever pushes back, why would you stop if it's to your benefit? And yeah. so, on that hand, I understand why he's doing it. Having said that, if I was if I was the board of Tesla, I would go, "Well, you're fired. Well, I can't. I can't yeah, have a no. CEO. I can't have my CEO." shaking me down yeah and, and either and and here's the thing from from just this is just a between being an accountant and being like just my thought process either he's done legitimate work at tesla in which case him leaving does Would not affect the, the firm will not sink oh, the company okay. right so either okay. he's done real work and Tesla's a company that actually can survive on its own so it doesn't need him yeah it may have bad share price but the company itself will be okay um and eventually recover right into a new normal yeah or it's all smoke and mirrors, and then well, what the fuck are you paying him for? Yeah, because he I mean, hasn't I mean, done anything. Yeah, I mean, look, look at like Apple. Steve Jobs is no longer with us, you know, rest in peace. That's right. But Apple is doing just fine. 
obviously I yep. do. Tim I Cook, do. Tim Cook and Apple are I, doing great. I think Tim Cook is an excellent CEO, right? Like, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, driving revenue, shareholder price and innovation and, and you know, spearheading innovation, all kind of stuff. He's a supply chain genius. I, you know, I, you could agree with that too, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So, Same thing with Bill Gates when he no longer actively yeah, no leading lo- Microsoft. Microsoft exactly. is not going any has not gone anywhere. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean at Amazon. You know, Jeff Bezos w- was I think a much better CEO than Andy Jassy, but Andy Jassy's fine. You know. Well, they brought they brought Jassy in because he was a uh, it, it was cloud. Yeah, yeah. Amazon went the future for us right now is cloud. So yeah, I mean, there's he, a reason they brought in that CEO. Yeah, I mean he's doing fine. He's not you know I'm not saying he sucks, but like I think Jeff Bezos was was much better. But yeah, I, you know we can name all these different examples. We can name Google. We can name yeah. like all you know all the different banks that that are you know 500 years old. So I'm with you on that. I think um, I, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good point. I also kind of want to point out too. Um, Evergrande. I mean, I don't want to talk about this for too long since we, you know, talked a little bit about. We spent two years talking about it. So yeah. So since um, we talked about them for forever. So uh, like, what what exactly happened? Evergrande. They have they have three hundred billion in debt ish, and their assets are like yeah. So, so Evergrande is, is the most in is the most indebted company in the world. They have three hundred billion dollars in debt. This is in U.S. dollars. So yeah. um, three hundred billion in debt. Approximately 240 billion in assets. But the of that 300 billion in debt, 23 billion is owned offshore. So is owned by overseas investment funds. So so PE from overseas. So to make that very clear, 277 billion dollars of that of that debt uh, or of those uh, liabilities are to essentially what's happening already within mainland China. So from yeah. the Chinese perspective, and I, I perhaps this is a gross oversimplification, but I don't think it is. Evergrande has $300 billion in debt. Well, let me rephrase that. Evergrande has $277 billion in debt that it needs to deal with and $240 billion to deal with it with. In assets, yeah. China has a very simple rule, which is it stops being fraud. It stops being crime when you're not defrauding when you're outside. Chinese people. If you're defrauding yeah, non-Chinese so people, the two, the 20, So the $27 billion in assets, that brings it to $300 billion in debt. Are the, uh, $27 billion in offshore accounts that brings it to $300 billion in debt. That's not that's that's not China's yeah. concern. And and, and I, I imagine you'd find that the vast majority, the um, Chinese Communist Party would say that that $23 billion held offshore um, will not get paid back until everyone in China is whole. Yep. Which, again, yep, my yep, response yep. is, well, uh, in theory, the people investing into Evergrande um, can read a balance sheet as well as I can. Um, hopefully better. Well, that's not necessarily true. I'm an accountant. But, well, yeah, um, I was going to say. But in theory, they can read it at least as well as I. And I know that if I saw something that was that underwater, I'd go, uh, I'm not investing in that with anything I'm not willing to lose. 100% of, yes, yeah. Because well, they, like, well, they I mean, do not have the wherewithal to pay. Well, hold on a second. Because like you could invest into something and you can loan something money and still expect a little bit of return, right? I mean, Oh, yeah. And, like, that, and that's exactly expect- what Evergrande did. Evergrande had their very high return wealth management, high, high, high return Dude. products, high risk, high return products. Well, well, but, I'm, um, but I'm saying like if you loan money to somebody like you can at least expect a few coupon payments, you know what I mean? Which I'm sure Evergrande did make coupon payments, but they I'm, did. I'm, they I'm, did up until that two years ago. But I'm with you. Like if I see something that underwater, I'm like, all right, well, the yield on this debt better be 5000 percent before I yeah. even think about buying it. Right? There, be, there better be a so, hell of a discount on what I'm buying, right? So yeah. I better be going $1,000 of return for $400. And 
and I better get yeah. I better get three coupon payments of a buck fifty, right? I need to break I even better, on what I'm putting in. Yeah, I, I better even like if I, even if I end up getting the loss. Yeah, right? I better get my principal back after like five coupon payments. Yeah, that's you know so. Yeah, I need to get my coupon payment. I need to get my principal back before this all goes tits up. Yeah. So um, there you go. Yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. Like if I, but even with Evergrande, like if I saw something that underwater, I'd be like, you know what? If I give you thousand dollars, I don't know if I'll see a cent of that ever again. You know, so I, I'm with you on that. It it is pretty funny because I always think I always think back to like when wh- wh- like how what were their bonds trading at? It was, it was trading at like a 233 percent yield or something like that. Wasn't, wasn't that? Oh yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was massive. It was huge. It was wild. So so the crazy thing was, and my favorite part of last week was that they were ordered to liquidate on Monday last week. Um, and yeah. so I jump into the Discord. Shameless plug for for following the socials and joining the Discord, guys. Yeah. But jumping the Discord and just seeing the like the people in the general who like our 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 boys in the general chat who are just like finally happened Evergrande ordered to liquidate and I was like I was like that's great they beat me to the punch I don't even need to say anything yeah but nice job Todd hope you really enjoyed that movie with your wife man yeah. I, I genuinely mean that I'm not trying to be a smart ass here but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys had a good night yeah um but it was wild like what well, what goes beyond that what's crazy for me is that uh, as I was reading into Kind of the craziness surrounding this order. So this order of all the um, of, of all the assets in Evergrande, the vast majority of them are in mainland China, right? It's yeah. not. It, it's it's a it's a real estate company. Uh, real estate doesn't move. With, it's it's fixed with, in, in yeah, space. It, and so, yeah, so one, you know, this is a long way of me just saying that the assets on their balance sheet are just very poorly appraised and appraised in a way that is very favorable. To Evergrande, which is funny. Yeah, what I mean by that is like, because like, I mean, you said they had the like they had an EV company within their like within their assets, but yeah, they haven't produced one of their business units is their electrical vehicle, their EV, their electric vehicle unit, and um, hasn't generated produced a single vehicle. Hasn't generated them a a dollar of cash flow, and then on top of that, well, it has. Negative cash flow. Oh, okay, fine. Them money. Right, there it's we go. Okay, fine. They haven't produced a dollar of positive cash flow. There you go. Right, which is essentially what you want in an asset, boiling it down to the basics. It's like, yeah, obviously, you know, you, you buy a business unit that's EVs. Yeah. So you want it to produce some sort of revenue, some sort of cash flow. If not cash flow, some sort of ROI. But Absolutely. It's yeah. very, it, you know, it's very poorly appraised uh, in the sense that it's making the assets on the balance sheet for Evergreen. Yeah, it's bring that value up to two hundred forty dollars because I don't necessarily think that they have two hundred forty billion dollars in assets. On top of that, their real estate is still in China. Well, if you think about the Chinese well, real the, estate market, the real estates, the yeah. real estates, the vast majority of the holdings, the vast majority of the assets, which and also are unfinished gen- buildings. Yeah, which also have already been not, completely paid. They're for. not generating the cash flow that that they had originally expected. So, yeah, I don't know why we keep talking about this. I just, to me, this is just a funny story unfolding. What's well, funny, except for all the people who are going to get hurt. Yeah, and uh, like the innocent people that are going to get hurt, because there are people that that, that well, should, exactly should right. get hurt. For every this. every yeah. single investment banker who went into this knowing better, uh, every single uh, Evergrande executive, fuck them under the jail. Whatever. I'd pu- I, you know, they asked that question of like, would you push someone in front of a train to to stop it and say like, if it was one of those people, it's not. <laughs> I wouldn't just throw the switch to to change the tracks. I'd push them in front of the train and I'd go. I've done a net service to humanity. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think you make a valid uh, like, argument I, there. I, I, um, and, I, and I recognize that that's that that's that's there's some vitriol there. I recognize that that's not a particularly. I never claim to be a good um, person, so yeah. You know, I'm, 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 the I'm thing just is, saying, I, like that wouldn't be that. You know, like I, I would. 
that wouldn't be below me to do something like that. No, <laughs> well, the thing is, I think I'd get probably a round of applause in some places for doing that. And I'm not necessarily saying you should just do things for, for a round, round of applause yeah. and for peer approval. But at the same time, like it's 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 like the, it's like some of the Enron people. Um, they oh knew. my gosh! Yeah, they dude. knew what they were doing was wrong. Yeah, and I think it's like I said, it's it's just funny to see this play out, and the the fact that Evergrande is still kind of around. Obviously, they're they're uninvestable now. And I think Absolutely. China, I think, is, is the vast majority of China is uninvestable. But, you know, then again, they're still seeing inflows for for whatever reason. So I, I, maybe I'm well, the I've idiot. I've always thought China's kind of been uninvestable. That was that was Hong Kong's great. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to take a flyer, take a flyer. But like, I, you know, but I've been wrong on that, you know, because because people are still investing in China, apparently. So, well, I, I see, that's um, what makes me wonder, because like spe- specifically to Evergrande, and this is this is kind of it on what I need to say is yeah. So a judge in Hong Kong has ordered the dissolution of the company, the liquidation to repay creditors. The overseas yeah. creditors will receive very little. Um, the mainland uh, investors will receive a, a great deal. The problem being is who is going to buy the, for lack of a better term, the distressed properties, right? The unfinished properties. And then here's the real problem. They're already owned. They're owned by the people who bought them. Uh, they're not finished, but those people bought a finished product. Well, so and is another developer going to buy and then complete it for no money? No. no. Capitalism doesn't let that happen. So no. is then the is the is the person who bought the property, who bought a finished property, who's contractually entitled to a finished property, are they going to receive that property? No. So where's the money going to come from? And the answer is probably going to be the government. But they've been a day late and a dollar. They, they've been a month late and two million yuan short for everything in the last two years economically. And more importantly than that, the day before, or actually the morning of the order for liquidation, uh, an agreement, a reciprocation agreement, for lack of better terms, between mainland Chinese courts and Hong Kong courts was signed. Are mainland courts actually going to enforce this liquidation order? Because if they don't, if the if the if the Chinese market was if if, chi- if mainland Chinese investment made sense through Hong Kong, and then they sign that agreement, and the mainland courts don't reciprocate the chi- the Hong Kong order, uh-huh. no, it's no longer it's a it, you can't touch it. Whoa! You, can't, you have to get out of mainland immediately, and you can't even touch Hong Kong because Hong Kong is the is the door into yeah. China that was supposed to be safe, right? Yeah. I can get my cash all my cash out of Hong Kong. And I'll be fine. But the problem is, so it's a damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah. Right? They're, they, they, they screw their own people. They, they really do harm their own people if they do enforce this order. And if they don't enforce the order, it's even worse. And uh, it's, a kick, it's a kick in the nuts and a kick in the nuts with a shoe covered in, in dog shit. It's, it's, a, it's, a bad, it's, it's two really bad options. Yeah. Like, well, to be honest with you, like, I, I, I think this is – I don't want to say it's a reflection of China, but I, I think this could be a reflection of what, what China is going to be. And just it seems like there's kind of a lack of accountability there and really a lack of oversight. I mean, clearly a lack of oversight. Yeah. So for a, go- for a government that watches everything and everyone, you would think that, you know, <laughs> what are the, they'd what, see something. Yeah. What, what are the like a, a company with two hundred forty billion dollar in assets? Technically. Right. If you, you know, assuming that their appraisal method is, is correct. Sure. And accurate. Yeah, like you would think that there would be enough oversight in something like that, especially if they like, you know, if you you can't get on a train if you haven't had a 
you know, a negative COVID test in the last two weeks. Like, you know, things yeah. like that. You would think that, like, no, you think you'd think they'd be a little more attuned to, um, yeah, huh, with, they're spending more money than they have, yeah, especially with that kind of like with that kind of tightness and, and how stringent they are. But yeah, it's funny stuff. Yeah. You know, I want to somehow bring the conversation back to uh, the Federal Reserve and the broader economy because here in the you. U.S. It seems like we're still getting a lot of mixed signals. And I know the Fed has been giving us mixed signals for a long time. Now, the mixed signals aren't coming from the Fed and the Fed alone. The mixed no, signals are say, coming the Fed from... the signals are pretty consistent. They're, they're coming from everything. It's like the PC, you know, PC comes in at 2.9, first things first, right? 2.9 pretty, yeah. is pretty good, right? It's sub three. We're getting closer to that that 2% target inflation rate that the, uh, Absolutely. the Fed was talking about in case you're wondering what the PCE is. the PCE it's not like the CPI, but it is like the CPI. Everybody likes to look at the CPI and quote inflation based on the CPI. But the Fed likes to look at the PCE, that's personal consumption or personal cons- personal consumer expenditures. Personal consumer. Personal yeah. consumer expenditures, yeah. So it's basically yeah. CPI, the same basket of goods, but you take away food and energy. Why do Which, you take away food and energy? Because the Fed really has not that much control. I mean, like you can't lower rates and all of a sudden, you know, farmers get rain. Right. Or all of a sudden, well, yeah, like OPEC decides that they produce, you know, a million more barrels a day. No, but it's also what's great about it is it is actually it's a very good metric of discretionary spending. I guess the technical is the, is the technical term. One hundred percent. People that, have that, to eat. People have to consume energy, have to consume housing. Right. Yeah. But the other aspects of driving an economy that's up to the spirit animals, right? The Keynesian spirit animals. That's up to the yes, consumers' personal decisions on will I am I okay to spend this? Am I okay to buy this thing or these things? I yeah. am because I'm definitely going to get paid in two weeks. I'm not going to get fired in three. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I think you know to be honest with you, I do think personally. I'm not just I'm not just trying to take sides with the Fed because believe me, that's the last thing I want to do. But I do think the PCE is a much better indicator for inflation because if you look at PCI or CPI, wow, oh my God, I can't CPI, talk. yeah. Well, it includes a bunch of things that shouldn't be there. It includes car prices. Used cars, used car really? Price, How yeah, many so, am I buying a month? Yeah, it's got all- TVs. Get fucked. <laughs> yeah, TVs. Like I like, dude, I buy a TV once every seven years. You know, so it's about right. Yeah. Why? Why does that matter? But like at the same time, you know, things that I do buy like pretty frequently, like clothes. You know, yeah. That if things were a little bit tighter on me, you know, I'm not gonna buy a a, a new band tee every concert that I go to if if I didn't if I couldn't afford no. it. But you're also not gonna buy the band like the the concert tickets, right? So like concert other, tickets. Other concert tickets, yeah. Um, here's another yeah. one. Like movie tickets, like like these little things, like going out to yeah. eat is is part of CPE, right? It's 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 food, but it's not food. It's dining out. Yeah, exactly. Boy, let me let me tell you when I, when I'm if I if I'm feeling like a a crunch on income, right? Like uh, the first two things that go away for me are eating and drinking out, like going out. Yeah. Go away. Like I reduce that part. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the reason why I think when the PC came in at 2.9, it kind of tells two different stories. You can kind of look at it two different ways, right? You can look at it like, wow, PCE is sub three. That's amazing. Or you can look at PCE and think, wow, inflation is the decline in inflation is not accelerating anymore. It's decelerating. And it's going to take a lot more work to bring it from 3% to 2%, which is the, the, the target Fed rate, which yeah. is a ridiculous rate to begin with. But Agreed. it's going to take a lot more work to bring it from 3% to 
then it did from 7% to 3%. Absolutely. Right. Law of diminishing returns. We always know that. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I'm still very much in the good news bears train, right? But, like, I, you know, I also don't want to give mixed signals, which I know that I have over the years. Which is funny, which is funny. <laughs> you don't want to give mixed signals, but the market certainly is. I know. It's giving mixed signals. Because, like, I, I can't help it, right? I, I can't. I, I pretty much just try to vomit everything that I see. And then, you know, and hopefully something sticks. But PCE <laughs> came in. At, it came, uh, only time you want vomit to stick, right, Aaron? Yeah, the only time. This is the only time. But. Yeah, PC came no, in. Like, but, but at the end of the day, PC still came at sub three. It's it's the most recent PC report was was a good report. It, it means inflation's coming down. Less people are yeah. are being paid, are being for you know from both ends, right? So yeah, just saying. But like, well, no, if well, you think keep, about think about like the jobs report yesterday. Yeah. Right, yesterday, like what was it? Three hundred and. Is it 350 or? Um, God damn it. I thought I had this up. Yeah, that's right. 353. Yeah. Uh, 353,000 jobs. In January. Um, in January. Well, yeah. I think they were saying they expected 180. Yeah. Um, Dow, Dow Incorporated, um, they are expecting 185. And yeah. I'm looking at it here. Unemployment rate at 37%. Expected 3.8. So like unemployment is down. Now, that could be good and bad. But I think in this case, it's actually probably a good sign. Well, you can understand, too. For the longest time, like, I, like it is a good sign. It means the economy is strong, ultimately. Now, we have to take a peek under the hood and figure out what those jobs are. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, if you just look at 3.7%, like 3.7%, that's a good number, especially because it's yeah. under the estimate. Now, let's put, let's put it this way. The, the, the number of jobs created blew out the expectation and the and unemployment went down. Is, yeah, is exactly. there a relationship? Yeah. And I'd say it's a positive one. Yeah, right? it, it very a positive much, correlation there. Yeah, it very much is. But we're also, you know, we, we've gotten so used to good news is bad news, right? Because normally mm-hmm. we would see something like this and we would think, okay, the Fed can still raise rates. So that's why markets and, you, you know, like, the, you know, the fixed income market, asset class and, and equities, like they would act negatively yeah. towards this because, because, because we got kind of used to the good news is bad news thing, right? Where like, Economic yeah, data absolutely. like this, which it, is which is good economic data, would mean that the Fed can has more room to cut rates, which is so stupid. But I agree with you. Like this is really good news. This is no, this is no longer is. I, we're and, we're not in that camp anymore. You know. Well, I'm going to say it's good news is good news, and mm-hmm. um, and people. So there's people that like that, and from a and from a purely investment standpoint, there's a logic to this. It makes it it does make sense. It's not it's it's not yeah. a it, it becomes heartless. But it's not inherently heartless. It's the argument that oh, it's more expensive. People are hiring more, but also that labor is more expensive. So the bottom line for a company I'm invested in will be less good than it was historically. I should sell out and go somewhere else where the labor is cheaper. And well, that's um, that is an investment decision you are allowed to make. Yeah, Having but, said that, but I think that's not what's happening in my yeah, opinion. I mean, maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. Like I, I don't know that much yet. Because I also think we did experience a season of job cuts. So is this? We absolutely did, and we're, and we're seeing that across the board in tech. We're seeing it across the board. I, I kind of keep my ear to the ground in my own industry, and I hear that yeah, there there are job cuts going on in um, some of the accounting firms out there are cutting jobs in, in areas and in places because they aren't getting the kind of services business they expected to. And well, on top uh, of that too, like survey data, because we see a lot of survey data about always what, suspect. Oh, did you say always suspect? Always suspect, yeah. Always suspect. Survey absolutely. Data. It's absolutely yeah. always suspect, especially because server participation is 
at all time, all time, all time lows. So yeah, that's 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 something to consider, right? This is still, in my opinion, like I, I'm still I'm still very optimistic about the economy, but at the same time, like you still have to look at things like the Fed beige book. The Fed beige book absolutely was was not positive. I mean, I, I don't know how many I forget how many territories or how many districts there are in the Federal Reserve. It's like thirteen or sixteen or something like that, and pretty much all of them except for like three had negative economic data come in. Yeah. Yeah. And the three that didn't have negative economic data come in were pretty much flat and or slightly positive. Yeah. So it, it wasn't it wasn't negative, but it wasn't good news. I have I'll put it this way. Like we were talking earlier and I was like, I haven't seen I haven't seen like kind of mixed data like this since like or, or like mixed information like this, mixed signals since high school. Like that kind of no, thing. No, you know it, what it, I mean? It, like like literally since like freaking Tinder or whatever, dude. So like Well, I went to high school before Tinder and yeah. it was worse than in person, I promise. <laughs> but you know, you also went to high school. Like you, I also, you went, to I also went to college. I, you know, I I know what college was yeah. like too. So yeah, but in college, Tinder was there at some point. Yeah, but I I I dude, I never got on the app, so I yeah, I don't I don't really know. Pros and but, cons. Uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, but no, you know, uh, feel free to signals, add me. Like, yeah. Actually, kind of proud of you. No, no, I said feel free to add me. Oh, <laughs> I'll continue to just be proud of you. How about that? <laughs> okay, man. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think for the most part, though, it's things are shaping up well for two things. Things are either shaping up well in the sense that the economy is just strong and resilient, or two, yeah. things are shaping up in the sense that the Fed just like has more room to hike rates, you know, yeah. and we saw GDP data too. GDP came in 3.3% in Q4 of 2020. Uh, what was last year? 2023. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, why is that a question? But, well, because, because uh, I mean, uh, uh, here's the thing. Cause like at work, I've been in FY 2024 oh, for six months. There we go. So like at work, I've been like, well, yeah, we're in 24 now. And I've been there since July. Oh, like we just talked about like, oh Yeah. Oh, so like is, it, is your fiscal calendar July one? Is that yeah. like oh okay? Yeah, our fiscal year is July one. So, <laughs> so there's points of the year where I'm just like, oh yeah. Well, back in twenty three, and they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, November of twenty two, and they're like, why? You just said twenty three. I was like, FY twenty three, and they're like, oh, okay, fine, yep, okay. Yeah. And when I did that, I realized I'm thinking in FY. That's not okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean detachment, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I encourage you all to look at GDP numbers for Q four because. If you look at what it came in at 3.3%, right? GDP increased by 3.3%. Look at what Wall Street expectations were for Q4 2023. They're at 2%. So, like, yeah. you tell me. Yeah. More you tell than 3.3% year over year, so annualized year over year, yeah. versus 2% expected. More than 50%. Yeah. Really? So, so you tell me, right? And like there is the argument that we're also like Every debt measurement, right? So like the government debt, consumer debt, credit card debt, you know, outstanding mortgage debt, like all, all these different things, like all student loan debt, whatever it is, every single debt level, we're at all time highs. I 100% get that. Yeah, but are. like, that's what I mean. Like this is, this is, this is either a, a giant ticking time bomb or the economy is okay. Yes. You know? Also, yes. So. <laughs> well, okay. It's a huge ticking time bomb and that's not okay. But to be fair, the problem in the U.S. has always been it doesn't save. That the U.S. doesn't save, and but like our saving as long as asset ha- prices. But but saving habits have, 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 have like they've actually gotten worse, d- despite the fact that we've never saved ever. In like, well, yeah. you know, we we did for a hot minute from 2020 to like 2020 and a half, <laughs> um, or 2021 and a half maybe. 
but yeah, no, uh, but, but yeah, what do we do now? Like, yeah, uh, you know, well, the, well, the, the thing is, and, the, and here's the real problem is that you're, you're right. We have never saved as a, as a nation. Well, in the, in the, in the recent history, the modern history of our nation, we've never saved. Yeah. Like 2000 um, and on. So like, Oh, before you know. that, before that, but from 2000, let's just, go, let's just start at 2000 because we can. Yeah. So, so, so like not. recent history. So like, so like Bush, Bush ones for, you know, you know, Bush juniors, you know, first, yeah. first term. And on. W. Like, w. Obama, Trump, Biden. Yeah, nobody no saved. Savings. Nobody no saved. savings. Yes. Yeah. In the government or in the world, or not the world, but in the citizenry. Yeah. Absolutely not. You're but, absolutely right. But on top of that, like we've we became I don't know if it became we remained sustainable. The U.S. government did, or a lot of consumers mm-hmm. did. A lot of households remained sustainable by raising more debt. Yeah. Because uh, no, and but you're right. You're absolutely right. And the and the the issue, I guess, from my perspective, looking at this, the issue at hand is. A lot of that was sustained by a strengthening dollar, by yeah, that's strengthening gonna... uh, retirement retirement portfolios and stock market, and um, an appreciating uh, real estate market. Yeah, and I, that, 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 I mean, I, I'll just I'll just go ahead and say this: like, I I genuinely like I I don't want to say I, I could I could be more bearish in the dollar, but like I, I'm not bullish in the dollar whatsoever. I'm not trying to be unpatriotic by any stretch of the imagination, but like you tell me what's going to happen, like when we raise more debt than we have GDP. So, so you know, so we're we're deficit spending. You tell me what's going to happen to the dollar. Like, well, so so here's I I, I am I am 100 on board with you on that. I'm not going to say I'm bearish on the dollar. What I'm going to say I'm, is I'm a contrable on everything else. Okay, okay, nothing okay, but what, else okay. is going to perform better. Okay, but like nothing else is going. I have no, I have no reason to go to something else. So I'll stay with the dollar. Okay. And it's, it's, oh, I don't want to be. I agree. Okay. I think I, it has many reasons to go down. I agree. I agree. Okay. So like if you if you look at the dollar index in terms of other currencies, yeah, I, I get why the dollar could be appealing. But at the same time, you tell me who else is deficit spending as much as we are in terms of like a, you know, a debt to GDP ratio. And, you know, don't answer that out loud because I know that there are a lot of other countries out there like Italy, like yeah, France, like you know, especially the well developed Japan, yeah, oh, no. Japan, big time, yeah. But like a lot of these different countries, right? This deficit spending like crazy. But all I'm saying is like, if you're an investor and you're looking for government debt to buy, which you know, you know, because you're trying to play it safe, just follow me on this, right? So you're trying to play it safe, you're trying to yeah. buy, you know, find government debt to buy. Does the U.S. government debt? I know that default rates are zero on U.S. government debt, but all I'm saying is like the coupon payments on U.S. government debt index, in my, in my opinion, I think it's going to be in, in a weaker currency later on because I think the dollar index is going to decline. Like, do you buy government debt for the U.S. government? But- well, so here, here are your options. Here are your options that have, um, this is an old list, but I'm going to list the ones that I still know to be true, that uh-huh. don't have a current and I'll include one that does actually have a, have a slightly current looming aspect of foreign invasion on it um, that have never defaulted on their debt. And it's uh, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, Norway, the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Thailand. And Taiwan. And Taiwan. And Singapore. Taiwan is obviously one with the looming aspect of invasion. There's a few others. There are others that, based on this list, have that defaulted. But my, but my response is still like, of all of those, which one would I want to put my money in? The U.S. And the, US. the answer for why the U.S. is because it's got a hell of a lot bigger tax base. Yeah. Okay. Fine. And the and the pro and and the real problem with my answer is it has a hell of a lot bigger tax base. Is this is where we do that slippery slope into modern monetary theory? Yeah. I'll be honest. I've read a lot about it. It, it has sucks. some points that make sense, but I don't know if I believe it. 
In fact, I don't believe. You know, it has some points that make sense, just like Bitcoin has yeah. some points that make sense for well, exactly it right. as a, as an actual and legitimate currency. I don't currency. believe in Bitcoin either. So I, there we go. But anyways, yeah. like I, you know, we digress a little bit. All I'm gonna say is like, you know, okay, fine. If the if the U.S. dollar index doesn't decline, it is because everything else out there sucks, which also yeah, sucks exactly. in the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, how many times can I say and sucks in a single sense? That's what everywhere else. Okay, fine. All right. So, I will accept that premise. All I'm going to say is, if that were to be true, there are certain things, such as commodities, that could be bullish. Right? You know? Yes. Just, I'm, I'm just saying. And, and, and I hate to say it. I hate to say it. If that were to be true, too, if you're contra bull on everything else, and therefore not the dollar index, therefore... And I really, really hate to say this, but this is what I said last week. This is not financial advice whatsoever. That would also mean it's going to be a good year for cryptocurrency. That's all I'm going to say. That's all. That's it. That's it for Bitcoin. Oh, so, fuck! That hurts. Boom. You're not got him. Your logic is there. It works. Got him. I think you're wrong. Only because I think cryptocurrency isn't currency, and I don't. I I don't think it is currency. But all I'm going to say is like. I think for a performance standpoint for an asset class, if you want to call cryptocurrency an asset class, I have no idea what else to call it. Just like, I, what, what do you call gold? It's not a, it's not a commodity. It's, it's, it's certainly not a security. <laughs> okay, fine. So gold is a commodity, but whatever. So I think for an yeah. asset class, right, like crypto or what, whatever you want to call it, just call it crypto. Like I think, I think Bitcoin yeah. in the realm of crypto is going to be one of the better performers this year, you know? Like I said, I just, that, that, you, you may well be right. I haven't, I haven't actually given it that level of thought, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to now. Yeah. Well, okay. And I, I, I'm not like I'm, I'm, I just, you know, full disclosure, I don't own any Bitcoin. This, yeah, this is no. not something that would would do well for me. But and I'm not like this. Is not, this is not financial. No, based advice. on your based on your arguments, I think you're right. This is not financial advice either. Like I like listen. If you don't, if you if you want to put a thousand bucks into something and you don't care if it becomes 400 bucks when you pull it out. Like all I'm saying is like, Spin you know, the wheel of commodity. There's always corn. Yeah. But um, I, like I said, like I don't, I don't believe in Bitcoin and I'm not telling everybody to go buy Bitcoin, but I just think I'm, I'm, no. I'm relatively bullish on it. But yeah, I, I just think, you know, because of everything, right. Because of like all these no, different mixed signals uh, from the federal reserve and all that kind of stuff, like w- with, with economic data coming in still very strong. Like ultimately what it comes down to is, GDP is good. Job numbers are good. Debt numbers are scary. Yeah, overseas is not great. Overseas is not great. There's a reason yeah. There's a reason why it's cheap out there. And on top of that, there's a reason why the S&P 500, if you look at the S&P 500. You mean the S&P 5K? The S&P, S&P almost 5K. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievable. But if you look at the PE ratio, right? So I, I looked at the, uh, an S&P 500 ETF. It is not SPY. It was a different SPY, S&P 500 ETF. I'm not going to say which company it is. That makes this S&P 500 ETF. This is just a S&P 500 ETF that has a beta of one. It tracks the S&P 500 pretty much spot on in terms of performance. The PE ratio for this S&P 500 ETF is 24. Tell me that that is not crazy. That seems... If Charlie Munger that... were here right now, what would he say? What, what would he say to this? I'm pretty sure the word bullshit come out and uh, <laughs> I grumble a little bit. I miss that yeah. guy. I miss I that spent, guy a lot too. I spent I just, a long time in my life not knowing who he was. And my stepdad was a huge fan. So Bob was a hu- is a huge fan. Was a man. huge fan of of Charlie Munger. And then uh, I actually started reading like what Charlie wrote and like watching his interviews. And I went, 
this I guy's... like this guy a lot more than Warren because one hundred percent. Because because Charlie's very clearly like the unfiltered version. <laughs> like yeah, Warren's a nice guy. They're both from Omaha. Both... Warren's the nice guy, and Charlie's just like nah, that's some bullshit. Charlie we'll has it. no fear, man. He'll tell it like it is, you know. And yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of which, telling you like it is, all I know is that you would look fantastic. You, James, particularly, too, but everybody else would look fantastic in a Drunkonomics hoodie. You can find one I of those. I do look fantastic in a Drunkonomics hoodie, and you, too, can look better than me. Probably. If you have dogs, they could look better than than, than my than my dogs than, than Flynn ever did. Oh, uh, I don't um, know about that, but uh, they look just as true. good. Flynn was a, Flynn was Flynn a, was good a very good-looking dog, but uh, they can look he just as great good. He looks great in that, in that um Oh, what are the, the bandana? The bandana, I mean, yeah. Got, we've got bandanas for dogs. We've got hoodies for you. We've got... Tank tops I, if you're in Australia. 93% sure we still have baby bibs in case you've got a, a niece, a nephew, a kid on the way. Um, yeah. I'm not saying it's appropriate, but I am saying... It would look that amazing. That kid's going to do really well at daycare let's just put it that way yeah you can find um, all that stuff at junkonomics.myspreadshop.com d-r-u-n-k-e-n-o-m-i-c-s-dot-m-y-s-p-r-e-d-s-h-o-p-dot-c-o-m from there if you want to help us uh keep the lights on do what's that called again keep the liquor cabinet stop get us some fresh fruit so we don't have scurvy you know in other ways just put a tip of the tip jar yeah dude uh, i've had three coronas right here no limes you know i could use some limes so patreon.com slash junkonomics d-r-u-n-k-e-n-o-m-i-c-s Patreon.com, right? Yes. And um, like I said, just keep us classy, keep us sassy. And yeah. once more, if you didn't remember it from the beginning of the show, if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska next week, so the week of Valentine's Day, hit us up in the Discord, hit us up in the social media, let us know. It could be a disaster. We're going to paint the town a color, <laughs> but uh, Drunkonomics is going to be back Oh yeah. in black, at least on Wednesday. Not because ACDC is here, but well, just because it's awesome. And because Pantera's here, but then like I'll be like, I'm around all weekend, man, so... All I'm going to say Absolutely. is watch out for us. Watch out for the Federal Reserve. Watch out for the economic data. Definitely um, watch out for the Federal Reserve because they said it and they mean it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know. Like I'm a ex- door guy. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you again. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at the next meeting. But until then, my encouragement to you is to continue to fill and kill. Play chestnut checkers. Don't brag. Just say, but most importantly, do what's that one thing again? What's that called? Stay drunk and amical, guys. That's what it is. Cheers, my friend. Cheers.